guess what time it is it's show time baby yeah welcome back (laughs) (laughs) it's a very special episode of the show weekly podcast uh still season two is it are we calling this season two yeah Yeah, it's still season two season two's been very short hasn't it it has yeah maybe we should Um, extend it to the next festival i don't know maybe We'll see. We'll see how the summer goes. I know life is getting a bit busy now, but here we are. Yes, Show Weekly Podcast. Uh, very special episode this week because we are kicking things off in our summer British festival. I don't, what, what did we end up calling it again? Show Britannia? Oh, Britannia. Beautiful. And no doubt yeah. that our listeners at home have seen the posters on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Speaking of those, do go and follow our socials for some updates. We are going to be doing uh, Show Britannia for the next three weeks, so end of july end of june sorry into the first week of july and we've got some really really good films to talk about just say that uh promise the audience that it's not as brexit as it seems yeah no i think we <laughs> should well we, i think we should start off today by talking about the actual festival and like why you decided to to do it but before we get into that as uh, as always do be sure to follow our socials for updates hit the notification bell drop us a like or a follow uh, and if you have any films that you want us to break down going into season three, which should be starting uh, end of July, start of August, um, do be sure to leave a comment either down below in the YouTube comments or send us a message on any of our socials and we will get that on the list. Uh, we've got a lot of films to get through today. I always find that doing these festival episodes, like they're always, I, I don't know, like if we settle on a really good film, I always feel quite sad to like have to move on to talk about something else because... Like you know, we've we've only got like an hour, and and if it's a really good film, like fifteen minutes, just doesn't seem enough. But here we are. We're gonna we're gonna start kicking things off with a hard day's night by the Beatles. But before we talk about that, Ben, how, how's your week been, mate? You've been quiet so far. Well, you know, just letting you guys present Shoal Shoal Britannia. You know, because we're all we're all Brexiting. I'm really proud of both of you for like for like not singing Shoal Britannia. Oh, I, I was close, time. bro. Oh, the episode it, 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 isn't over yet. I think we yeah. might have to, we might have to introduce the jingle next week. You know, for episode. maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> what have you been watching this week, mate? This week, I have had aside from all of the films that um, we've been sent away to watch by Charlie, I've been watching a little bit of um, I want to say light-hearted TV, but having realized what I've watched, it's not been very light-hearted. Um, I've watched the Amazon uh, own series. Uh, Invincible, which is a um, well, it's it's about superheroes, and um, if you're over the age of sixteen, you should go and watch it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the cast, honestly, oh, just it's just brilliant. I, I was in awe of it. I thought it was incredible. Also, you James. always know when it's uh, J.K. Simmons, don't you? Like yeah, straight yeah. away, you know, like Mustache Man, and you're like, "Yep, that's yeah. J.K. Simmons." Straight away, he's got like he's just got like a little bit of gravel behind his voice. Yeah, that... not 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 quite my tempo. Not that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's have you game. seen it, Chaz? What's that, Invincible? Yeah. No, but Kieran won't stop banging on about it. <laughs> it's worth a right, watch. Every single time I talk to him, he's like, "Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet?" And I'm like, "Not yet, not yet." You should watch <laughs> it, mate. It is. I've good. watched the the first episode with him, and I really, yeah. I did, I really enjoyed that. The twist yeah. at the end is really cool. 
I know, right? It's yeah. so yeah. horribly gory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. Grim. I think it definitely, I can't decide what's gorier, that or Castlevania, because it's a slightly different art, like it's slightly different kind of drawing like in the way it's been done. And I, I still can't decide what's worse. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still leaning more towards Castlevania just because of like the religious connotations and like it's darker yeah. as well. So, so, right. Yeah, it's definitely like, dark. But... Invincible is so bright in like daylight. And yeah. So and very sci-fi, whereas Castlevania is just all of your worst fears rolled into one. <laughs> the way it yeah. uh, like unfolds reminds me of like Watchmen or something like that. Mm. Like, yeah, it's a version yeah. of like the superhero trope. It's, it's quite cool. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's. I mean, this is going off my personal. You, you're going to hate me for this. But it's not as boring as Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that's a fair comment. Watchmen is I, long. The film yeah, was good though. I, I, yeah, I, I've only watched a few of the series though, but it, I, I just, right, it, okay. it didn't click with me. The series, right. I mean, the film didn't click with me. I just couldn't. I, oh, just, okay. I just didn't yeah. like it. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I found Invincible was brilliant. My favorite part, my favorite thing about it, though, is that they just, they never say the word Invincible. They never say Invincible. And whenever it, it like, the intro for every episode, it, it like, the, the last conversation of the intro ends with the character about to say Invincible. And then instead of him saying that, they just cut to the, like, to the title screen. Absolutely brilliant. Ah, uh, so it's like... Um, at the end of Age of Ultron, where Captain America's like, Avengers! Uh, and then it cuts away. Charlie, what have you been watching this week? Uh, what did I watch? That's a very good question. Apart what from did you films, watch that wasn't all of these yeah. films that we have to talk about? <laughs> um, what did I watch? I watched a film called Fatherhood, which is on Netflix. Oh, is that Kevin Hart? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh my god, yeah. It's very... Um, hits the feels, but it's also incredibly funny in places yeah. as well okay. as you'd expect from kevin hart i suppose but yeah definitely definitely worth a watch it's, it's a bit more um it's like a quirkier boyhood if you know what i mean like it follows the, the, the daughter really well and it's just yeah make it heartwarming makes you mm -hmm. want to give someone a cuddle you know oh well you can always come around mate oh cheers <laughs> i got my body pillow of joe that's what i could <laughs> i sent it to you yeah Christmas yeah present. <laughs> yeah <laughs> In my head, I'm just picturing something way, way, way not safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep keep it to yourself then, mate. Keep it PG, yeah. come on. Keep it PG. Um, so I was also watching uh, this week um, Clarkson's Farm. Sorry, we're not talking about you anymore. Oh, I wanted I to get it in there. <laughs> Save it fun. for the next one. <laughs> okay, fine. That we're fine. not going to record in an hour. It's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> we, might have, we might have edited this bit a bit heavily. <laughs> nah, it's all right. All good. Okay. Roger, what have you been watching, lad? Uh, I watched Palm Springs. Oh, is that with uh, the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yes, Andy Sandberg. Yeah, that's it. I thought it was yeah. good. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was a refreshing take on that sort of whole Groundhog Day yeah, yeah. romance trope. Um and Andy Samberg is just very entertaining. That's got J.K. Uh, Simmons in it as well, isn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah, right. Yeah, J.K. Yeah. Week. Yeah. Oh, we just we just need to watch Whiplash now, and then we've got the <laughs> and and the original Spider Man trilogy, and then we've got the Holy Trifecta. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought it was a good film, and um, it's the mum from How I Met Your Mother as well. I I can't recall her real name. It's something like Christine Christina, um, something like that. But yeah, she's great in it too. I think they made quite like a wacky couple. When when I was first watching it, because I didn't know it did that whole Groundhog Day thing, I just put yeah. it on just because it was it was there. 
And yeah. I was like, oh, God, it's, it does this Groundhog Day thing. And I was like, why? Why have they done this? But then as it goes through, like, it does improve. And it mm-hmm. takes quite a nice sort of approach to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, good film. Good film. Uh, anyway, I think we should talk about Shoal Britannia. Um, Chaz, I'm going to start with you because this is your second sort of mini festival that you've wanted to do for this podcast. Uh, and you've actually had it in, you've had it, you, know, you planned it since what, like January? Yeah, probably. I've forgotten to be honest, but yeah. So here we are like six months later and, and it's finally here. Um, yeah, I, I just want to know your thought process behind it because from my point of view and going into this festival leading up to like what I thought I was going to talk about and the films that we were going to watch, I th- I personally think it's a hard time to be patriotic at the moment. Yeah. So, like, why did you want to do a festival celebrating British film? Like, I just want to know your thought process. Well, I think, yeah, as you say, it's a hard time to be like, yeah, come on England, isn't it? Um, and I don't necessarily think that's what these list of films do, because I think a lot of them mm-hmm. take a lot of stabs at the establishment and the effect that that control over the nation has, like the, the decision makers have over the mm-hmm. population. And it's just, we make good films in Britain, and I think we should celebrate that rather than think critically about the country as a whole at the mm-hmm. minute, you know? I think quite a lot of these films, are, aren't the, a lot of them are Film 4. Um, yeah. And I was really sad. I remember when Film 4 got shut down. It's a bit and like I, the BFI has taken over that sort of mantle, hasn't it, now? Yeah. It's yeah. Being a, creating social realist films, really, I suppose. I mean, you were in London for three years doing your degree in film, uh, and I know you were, you know, you were at the BFI pretty much like every weekend watching something. So I, f- I feel like you're not only academically connected to a lot of these films, but also, I don't know. I feel like, um, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I know you spoke very highly of the BFI during your time living in London, which was somewhere that I know you didn't enjoy living that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is this a, a trip down memory lane for you or is it more like a new a new kind of new explorations that you you want to some of the films it's definitely a a trip down memory lane but then others mm. like peter lou um i saw when i moved up to manchester and mm. obviously that's based in manchester it, that, that felt like a very relevant film when i moved up up to manchester but then these yeah. other films a lot of them aren't really set down south which is I suppose no one likes herself anyway, do they really? But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I could say that. But well, no, um, I was going to say that, like, yeah. So today we're doing a Hard Day's Night, which is a film produced by the Beatles. But then we are going to go on and talk about I, Daniel Blake, This Is England, and Peterloo, which are all set in the North. Did you plan that, or was is it random? No, I didn't plan it, but I, I like that. I like that. That's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> like the the North and the film industry have a very good history like they work well together i think mm-hmm. uh, especially for like social realism stuff and it doesn't get appreciated enough i don't think yeah nice yeah there you go should we talk about a hard day's night because i feel that's the the most light-hearted film on this week's uh roster yes yeah, so you want to say you want to get the uh you want to get the light-hearted <laughs> one out of the way and then we can, yeah, talk then we about can all have a... three really fucking depressing northern <laughs> films that are we can basically... have a cry after yeah <laughs> we can yeah. have a cry after yeah. yeah um yeah sure i mean ben you 
you caught a hard day's night and you messaged me um, when you were watching it this morning. Why don't you, I don't know, what what do you have to say about that film? Any any info for our listeners at I home? Because I feel like it's a you know it's an it's an unheard of one, isn't it? It's Unless... yeah, I'd never I'd never heard of it before, so it was definitely a new one for me. <laughs> I think I think I described the first bit to you as a hard day's watch. <laughs> right, oh, <wow>. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> not to be too critical. <laughs> no, I, I'm I don't know. I just it... Maybe I'd gone in and I'd seen, you know, you know, when you, you click on a film and it says, tells you what category it is. And it was like, oh, it's a comedy. I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. Like, what is it? And mm-hmm. I just didn't really find anything funny. It just Really? I mean, there was, okay, there's bits. There's a few bits where it was like a couple of chuckles. But like, I don't know, it just seemed really weird. And I, I mean, I couldn't get over the fact either that like... It's the Beatles on a train, and they're trying to chat up schoolgirls. And I was like, "Hang on a second, what's going on?" Um, like the 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 actresses in the film were like in school uniforms. It was just a bit dodge. Anyway, I don't know. It was all right. I mean, just kind of, it's a piece of history, isn't it? In 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 and of itself, you know, it's like, uh, it's like that's like today, One Direction just making a film that they're in. Yeah. And it's about them, and mm. it's not a documentary like it would be pretty weird like but historically i think it's quite you know it's quite cool to see the beatles in that way you know it's um the cast list on wikipedia is phenomenal like get this right so john lennon as himself paul mccartney (laughs) as himself i can't george harrison as yeah i can't believe they managed to get ringo Starr to play ringo Starr (laughs) as well it's fantastic Uh, Uh, one of the worst bits of the film though is his first line is just Oh, it's so like awkward. He just—I I can't remember what the exact line is, but then he does like a little chuckle at the end, and it's obviously been dubbed in, and the laugh is just so out of time with the <laughs> movement of his mouth. It's so awkward. But see, I, I thought it was going to be a documentary, but um, it—it's just—it's strange to see a. Yeah, it's hard to suspend your disbelief when you know that this is a real life band. Like they could have been playing like a fictional band. Yeah, and that that perhaps could have been more. Um, you could have suspended your disbelief a little bit more with that, maybe. I don't know. But it's de- but the thing is, they never mentioned that they're the Beatles, like as in themselves. They never mentioned the name any of the characters. It's only ever on like the drums or something like that, or in the background on the sign. It's did like yeah. never actually mentioned that they're the Beatles. It's weird, but it's definitely a cash grab. I'm, I'm gonna say that now. Like they wanted to make bank. That's the only mm. reason this film got made. Like. I'm not gonna lie as well. There's there's a there's a distinct lack of Scouse accents in there. I was really expecting, you know, apart from the Beatles. Well, even then, Scouse. yeah, they don't like. The, they, yeah, they really they... toned it down. Like they really toned it down. Yeah, their um their accents right. became very flattened out. The f- yeah. more famous they got, and then by the time John Lennon was doing Imagine, mm. yeah, yeah, he yeah. was on talk shows just just with a slight twang. And then if you listen to uh, Paul McCartney now it's it's not thick at all no, no I mean not. I get that I totally get that you know it's kind of it's 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 a very I suppose the more time you spend away from Liverpool like the kind of should I say it just people, fades yeah yeah it does mm. it's quite I think I think as somebody as living quite close to Liverpool myself it's kind of as you if you interact with people that kind of live closer to Liverpool or in Liverpool you just naturally drop into more of a scouse accent just with everyday conversation and the further you go away you just kind of don't it's it's one of those strange ones where it's just i don't know maybe it's like people like kind of chameleon each other but 
It's a weird one. But yeah, I was I was just a bit taken aback. I don't know. There was there were some funny moments like when the um when they pull up to the first uh, the first show and they get out the car and they all pile into this tent which is parked in the street and they just <laughs> yeah. like lift the tent up and shuffle it to the door. Like, but then there's a it, guy stood under it. Yeah, there's Not a guy sitting there. Like, what the hell just happened? So there's some funny, there's some funny gags in there. But then there's like bits where it's all sped up, and you know, it's I just, I just, just really disjointed. Didn't really kind of get into it. But you know, like I said, and like you said, they're just making dollar, and it's it's quite funny. You know, it's quite interesting historically to see them all, um, and they're all like proper, like you know, lewd, like just gawking at all the women. It's just, yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, One of the uh, the funniest bits for me is when. Uh, they're having an interview with the press and I think uh, one of the press ladies says like, oh, and what do you call this haircut, like your hairstyle? And then I think George Harrison's like, oh, this is, this is called Arthur. <laughs> it's just little stuff like that. That's like, so funny. I love it. Do you reckon a lot of it was improvised? Uh, I think, yeah, like bits like that I think definitely were, yeah. Okay, but, interesting. But then another funny bit for me is when, because the whole thing centres around Paul having a grandfather who's like, this, like, oh, his yeah, he's just a weird little character, little old man sort of thing. But he's also Irish. Which is... <laughs> yeah, he's also Irish, yeah. Um, but he mentioned, he'd first introduced him to the rest of the band, and he's like, oh, this is my grandfather. And then I think, like, George or John's like, no, it's not. I've met your grandfather. And it's just, like, little meta things like that. I, just, I, think, it's, I think it's class. I think it's amazing that it manages to creep up a lot of lists for, like, greatest films of all time. Yeah, um, it's not. Like, it's not, is it? Like, it's it's just strange. I think. I think, but I think that just is um, apropos to like the success of the Beatles, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't think of a band that could. Well, how, how that could that could pull off a film? One Direction, mate. <laughs> no, because because yeah. it would just be taking the piss out of a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, what what kind of band could do make a film with a budget of one hundred eighty nine thousand dollars and gross eleven million? Which you know, in nineteen nineteen what sixty four? Sixty four, yeah. That's that's a lot, and I just I can't see One Direction being able. Maybe Harry Styles on his own, but I mean, Dunkirk didn't. It wasn't just riding off the back of uh, of Harry Styles, was it? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like it is one long music video for them, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the songs like class. To... Yeah, they are good. Here's a little fun fact that'll, that'll blow your mind. Uh, it's one of only like two or three films that are rated U, which in the UK is, is our BBFC rating for like all audiences. So anyone of any age can watch or buy this film. It's one of only three U-rated certificate films to mention cocaine. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, he, he sniffs it? a coke bottle, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> makes a joke, makes a yeah. reference to cocaine. Um, <laughs> but then, but then, funnily enough, the film had to be edited slightly upon release back in '64 to obtain the U certificate because the phrase "get knotted" uh, was judged inappropriate for a U film and had to be removed. But making a joke, wow. sniffing a coke bottle, apparently wasn't. Um, so yeah, there we go. There's also a bit in the film where. They're in like a hotel room, and one of them goes to put something in a cupboard, and then just like doesn't even like acknowledge it, but comes back and goes, "There's a there's a guy in the cupboard," and then mm-hmm. the rest of them go go and check, and it's like, "Oh yeah, there is a guy in the cupboard," and it's never mentioned again. 
It's it's class. Like there's such like Monty Python sort of humor before it was Monty Python. I mean, it's great. Yeah. Um, there was a, actually a novelization of the film as well, which just adds to your cash grab. It <laughs> was there. Yeah, yeah. So in 1964, uh, they published a novelization of the film. Uh, John Burke wrote the novelization and um, described it as, you know, it, it was based on the original screenplay by by Alan Owen. And uh, fun fact about the novelization, it was actually the first book in the English language to have the word grotty in print <laughs> nice which <laughs> again i'm just gonna repeat myself that is just apropos to the influence and the power of the beatles let's talk about <laughs> i daniel blake <laughs> let's get depressed Woo-hoo. let's get depressed um yeah so for uh for listeners at home if you haven't managed to catch i daniel blake this week i daniel blake is a is a film quite a Heavy hitting one is about a it's about a man called Daniel Blake. Would you believe it? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's by legendary British film director Ken Loach, and it. Well, critics just absolutely love this film. Uh, it was distributed by the BFI, so hence why it's on this list. Thank you very much, Chaz, for for putting it on the on the roster. Um, yeah, premiered in 2016. At Cannes Film Festival, and actually went home with the Palm Door, so that's a that's a pretty big award, and was nominated for every BAFTA under the sun, and um, uh, grossed something like sixteen million as well, which is not a lot for twenty sixteen, but for a really small budget um, film, it fantastic. I wonder how much, like, did Ken Loach donate any of that to charities and stuff? I'd like, I'd like to think that he would, but um. Yeah, I, I don't or know. Is, that was something I'd have to look up. Or is like the uh, acknowledgement from the film about the problem enough? Like, where do you? Where do yeah, you maybe, maybe he didn't take payment for it. Maybe that. Yeah, 15, yeah, maybe yeah. it was just cast and crew. But um, it is um, Dave Jones who plays Daniel Blake. It is his debut, his film debut. He's actually uh, he, he is from the same area. So I should clarify, Daniel Blake is a story about. A titular character he's this 55 year old working class gentleman living in Tyneside so it's up in the north of England near Newcastle and he suffers a heart attack before the events of the film and the film opens with him trying to uh trying to secure some is it uh like well like health and welfare benefit because he can't go back to work at the moment anyway and his doctor has said that if he does any more manual labor he'll he will um he'll have have another heart attack so the whole film is his struggle being this working class man who doesn't even know how to work a computer it's his struggle of just trying to apply and to get an appeal for the fact that he's been turned down for this benefit so he has to then go on job seekers allowance and he has to be pounding pavements and it's a very difficult film to watch because you feel so sorry for him he, he also meets this londoner who moves up to newcastle this young girl who has to resort to prostitution just to feed her children and um uh so full spoiler alert for the film in the end uh, daniel actually ends up suffering a heart attack because of all of the stress caused by uh the department Fucking of work Tories, yeah there we go so yeah it's a it's a difficult film to watch but I think it's an important I think it's an important one for for British people 
uh especially you know this film came out in 2016 at the height of the conservative labor austerity like, yeah 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 that's that's a perfect way to describe it and i think the biggest thing that this film reminded me of watching it um not because it was similar in any way but because it reminded me of the pitfalls of that film was nomadland uh, and i think Chaz, you and i have had a conversation about this before that poverty porn films just don't sit well with us yeah uh so however this one <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i, th- I think the re- you know going back to our last festival when we looked at some of the oscar uh films you can go and watch and listen to all those episodes uh on spotify and youtube there was Please an episode where we like. <laughs> <laughs> have a plug there. There was an episode where we talked about Nomadland because it 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 went home with the Academy Award, uh, and I remember saying to you that it was such a boring and like soulless film yeah. because it was essentially this this woman like Daniel Blake, you know, this woman in her fifties who had lost everything and just decided to become a nomad and travel in her late husband's van, and the way that. You know, and no discredit to Chloe Zhao, like she's she's a very talented director and, and cinematographer, but there was no soul in that film because it's basically, oh hey, you're poor and you're gonna be fine because you're enlightened. Like yeah. uh, enlightenment will feed you and pay your bills. Don't worry about money. Yeah. And that just doesn't sit well with me because it that's just not it's not reality. Like you can drive and be a nomad and drive around in your van. For as much as you want but at the end of the day you need to feed yourself you need to look after yourself well, and yeah i think both the characters are living in quite heavy capitalistic societies aren't they and you just can't yeah. enlighten spirits don't yeah as you say don't buy your food at the end of yeah, the day do they? Yeah, exactly and that's what i really liked well liked is probably the wrong word what i really um connected with yeah connected with daniel i daniel blake with is it's a bleak film and, and I actually wrote in the notes here, I was like, should the title have been I Daniel Bleak? <laughs> because it is a bleak film and it's poverty porn done well because it's presenting a character to you, which, you know, I I grew up in a in a small working class countryside town. And so I know a hundred Daniel Blakes. Yeah. You know, down at the pubs. I, I know them all and and so I really connected with him and I I just loved that the film never once enlightened him. It was a one-man struggle against the establishment for the whole film, and in the end, it killed him. And as much as that sucks, that is a much more interesting and informative and educational film than Nomadland can ever be for me. And it's just such a more of a wake-up call. And I was a bit worried, not going to lie, I was a bit worried halfway through the film when he did the spray painting, when he spray-painted I, Daniel Blake, on the side of the of the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. working I was a bit worried that at that point he was going to like lead a revolution and and everything and it, and the film never once made it bigger than him the film yeah, never... was just yeah so the, the... I I would like to think that his words spray painted on the side of that building did lead to some kind of uh revolution but it's supposed to be a realistic film set in a realistic britain and nothing has happened yet so no. <laughs> I don't you know so I think, I think that's yeah that bit of the film when all the people are cheering just really sums it up as like they're not going to take action against that like they support him but mm-hmm. no one's that asked like and that says a lot doesn't it yeah no one's that asked to actually take action and do anything about it hence the Tories is still in power <laughs> yeah 
you know, uh, like interesting. It's, it's a very interesting in terms of the political connotations because obviously the director is um, very famously he was part of the Labour Party for like was it like fifty years or something? Yeah, he's, I think he still is, isn't he? Yeah, probably. And, yeah, uh, he's you know, and we mentioned before, you know, um, Jeremy Corbyn endorsed the film naturally, and um, you know, it, it is it very much points the finger. Um, of blame squarely at the system, um, which I think is definitely in contrast to what the 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 general media and um, and what the government the the ruling government would would suggest and what they like to make the narrative, which is that the problem with the 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 reason for poverty and the blame of poverty is on the the individual. Yeah, uh, and the film definitely does not hold back in. Um, going the complete opposite way, and it very much is very against the system, which is which is which is I think is good um, because there isn't just there just isn't enough you know evidence of that, um, and there isn't enough kind of media about that and how actually the system is a bit broken, and more than a bit broken, it is actually um, downright Beyond repair. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's probably a bit ex- extreme, but like, yeah, it's just it is definitely geared against you know, and there's some real hard moments where, for ex- you know, you mentioned one of the big things in the film is that he just doesn't even know how to work a computer, and now mm-hmm. for us, you know, that's it's just like this is is as much second nature as it is breathing, and you know, but for somebody who's never touched a computer in their life, never had to use one for work or anything like that, it, you know, it really does a really good job of of showing their inability to use one and as somebody that's that works with computers a lot and has an education capacity it's actually a very good depiction and it's quite close to to accuracy but yeah there's that particularly scene where the the worker in the um the welfare office is helping him with a computer and she's quite literally frankly told to stop doing it by her boss because mm-hmm. it would it would set a dangerous precedent you know that the um the the individual is not to blame um and it's yeah it's quite hard hitting in that aspect um which the, yeah like i said it, it's good it's good that there is some exposure to that um and yeah, it's quite interesting actually. There's off the back of this, uh, not really off the back of this, but I think some of the press that it generated. So yeah, I suppose you could probably say off the back of it. Um, they actually found out that um, so the Department of Work and Pensions um, actually have figures. Um, they actually have you know they kept track of basically people that have been ruled, like Daniel Blake was in this fictional case, essentially was ruled in you know. It was inv- invalid for work, but were then sent back to work. And I think it was something like 1,200 people died in between the period of like 2011 and 2015 or something. That's um, disgusting. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy that the, so many people died because they were just told, oh, you have to go on job seekers. And, you know, it, for those of you who might be unaware, if, if you're on job seekers allowance, um, you actually have to provide proof that you are looking for work 35 hours a week, which is a full-time job, isn't it? Is a full-time job. That's seven hours a day. Um, and it's stressful. And it's, it's you know, as opposed to what they should have been on, which was 
basically just a disability um, benefit that they can't work therefore they need to be provided for by the state that's how our system works but um for whatever reason because of paperwork bureaucracy then they they weren't able to do that and and you know so goes the um story but yeah it really does it's a really hard-hitting film um I've got a hard-hitting movie inaccuracy for you as well. Um, So in the film, Daniel's offered a drink of water from the water cooler at the job centre. But actually, water coolers were removed from job centres as part of Tory cuts. So there we go. Yeah. (laughs) That that just sums up my my thoughts on... Yeah, Um, that is the epitome of, of... the attention that our conservative government has towards working class areas so but this is a film podcast and not a political podcast i suppose at the end of the day but um i mean ben you never watched nomadland did you you never you haven't seen it yet but i've seen the premise yeah kind of yeah i'm just wanted to get your opinion on the whole poverty porn thing i think just poverty porn in general is it's either this is a very hit or miss, isn't it? I think this was definitely a hit. It in terms wasn't. of profiting. What do you mean by define what you mean by poverty porn? More do you mean like um, it's a piece of it? art, a piece of media that, in my my opinion, poverty porn is like you know a piece of media that is produced to elicit feeling from from Middle people who aren't or, in that yeah yeah in that situation or upper class people. Right. Um, for example, whenever you watch Red Nose Day or Children yeah. in Need, that is the definition of poverty porn uh and then so sometimes films like i daniel blake or this is england or uh slumdog millionaire or nomadland they'll they'll do these films and it's like hey look how poor people are like don't you feel sad for them come and come and buy a ticket and watch the film and stare through a window like it's a zoo Mm. Uh, and then go back to your lovely cozy home (laughs) Yeah, and feel a little bit better about yourself because you've watched a film about poor people. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... I think yeah, it's interesting. There's, uh, I think there's a few charities that came off the back of Daniel Blake um, that uh, kind of used it as a bit of a platform. Um, I think a couple of food bank ones because obviously there's there's some quite titular scenes in the film, isn't there? Um, with the food banks and and the the two main characters, well. One of which uses the food bank and the other does not, um, kind of out of shame and 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 everything else that goes on in the film. Uh, so I suppose maybe in it being kind of poverty porn in in that sense, it maybe it's got a little bit of it's done a bit of good maybe, but at the same time, I think it can just be taken and twisted by whoever really wants to take it and twist with it. You know, for example, yeah, yeah a lot of you know there's there's pretty much the instant like one of the main things of the critics is like oh it's a great film but you know a communist made it you know like a left-wing it was a very oh, left-wing sorry. director it's like so it's like hang on a second you know whoa you, you just kind of jump into considerations here and as i was i was telling you guys earlier you know if, if you could google it it's um like loads of mps just like slinging at each other across the room like you should go and watch i daniel blake and get it get an idea so it was used um, as cannon fodder then. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just like it's, yeah. it's a bit, you know. But I feel like any film will have a message behind it. So it's exactly, like, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for this film. 
no i think, I think it if is it good didn't have the message you'd be a little bit worried and to be mm. fair like no exactly i think like i said you know i think it is it's a very it's probably a, one of its few kind in the kind of plus column for you know going against what is the the rhetoric and what you know the media yeah. and arbitrary uh, purports as truth and it, it's interesting you know it's yeah but then obviously the the inherent problem of film in general any film don't care what it is any film has this one fundamental flaw in that it's a film it's a yeah. contained thing mm. it it allows an issue to become compartmentalized and swept away so yeah it sends a great message but now it's like cool we've made a film about this guy called daniel blake he uh the north is suffering thank you for coming to my ted talk and it's like right we don't have to talk about this issue anymore we don't have to talk about this issue because it's already a film yeah yeah any any film no matter what subject is like propaganda isn't it essentially like you could take any film and say that it's propaganda so i just that's film in general like when 12 Years a Slave came out, it's like, cool, we don't have to talk about, um, you know, uh, cotton plantations anymore. Like we don't yeah. have to acknowledge yeah. that that happened. And obviously, um, like, we should be talking about it, but when, you watch, when people watch a film like this, they're like, oh yeah, that sold it all now. It doesn't exist. As you uh, yeah, yeah. That's films, the illusion isn't yeah. it, that comes about from it. That's a great way of putting it, yeah, definitely. Films don't so solve problems, they... Create them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's another can of worms. Um, <laughs> Speaking of a film that uh, creates problems, um, oh dear! This, <laughs> sorry, that was terrible. Uh, this is England's our third film of the evening. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to start off by saying easily my favourite film um, so far at the festival. Uh, it was fantastic, Chaz. Why don't you give us a, a rundown of this one? Yeah, okay. So it follows a young boy who is a bit lost. His father's died in like the Falkland Wars. And we're in like setting of a broken England. It's like nationalism's on the rise, anarchy's mm-hmm. on the rise, Thatcher's in power, and this boy is like being bullied because his mum can't afford to buy him all the you know the new clothes, and he, he doesn't look all that hip. And yeah. he essentially gets taken on by this um, skinhead group, and their main uh, like their leader is he's a, like a nice bloke. He, believes in like love peace and all that and then about halfway through the film i'd say it is this other guy gets released from uh, combo he gets released from prison and he sort of takes over the group and divides it with his well let's you know racist opinions yeah he has this opinion that the the black community in britain are stealing all the jobs from all the white people yeah and also uh, asian communities as well yes yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, heavy film, heavy stuff. Ben, did you yeah. watch this one? Didn't get this one, no. No. Oh, yeah. I think I think you really missed a good one here. Um, uh, you know, you wasted your time watching a hard day's night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, but you had some um, good tunes, though, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did miss out, you know, on getting depressed for a second time around. That's true. Um, yeah. You do want to do that, to be honest. Have I either of you uh, watched American History X? I haven't. But I've heard good things. Well, like, yeah, it's a good film. This is definitely um, England's. I think England's answer to American History X. Right. Okay. Because that Does film that deal is set racism, racism as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's kind of a similar. It's basically a very similar story. Is uh, American History X is set in Venice Beach, and Edward Norton played a neo-Nazi 
who went to prison for curb stomping a, a black kid. Right. And when he comes out of prison, the whole plot of the movie is he's trying to stop his younger brother from going down the same route. So his younger brother's like 14 and he joins a bunch of skinheads and um, believes in all of that stuff. And his brother comes out of prison, reformed, like he made black friends while he was in prison. Right. And he comes out a better person and he basically tries to stop his younger brother from going down the same route. So it's got very, very similar vibes. And I kept thinking that all the way through watching This Is England. Right, right. Uh, except there's no real kind of savior in This Is England. It really is a very personal, intimate story. Yeah. Uh, with, so the, the young boy is, uh, what's his name? Um, Sean. Sean, yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah, it's this 12 year old trouble boy who lives with his widowed mother. Um, Biggest thing that another big thing that really reminded me of, and you're like this, Chaz, is wasn't the ending like just like the 400 blows? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, when he looks into the camera, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? Very intentional, yeah, because I feel she got the the story's got close connections to it with like, um, what's his name in Antoine, isn't it? In 400 blows, right, is trying to find that solidarity that Sean's trying to find, yeah. Because I feel it, like, obviously it has its political angle, this film, but it's also much more about that kid being lonely and trying mm-hmm. to find so- solidarity wherever he can. And in yeah. the end, that is with, well, not in the end, because he sort of, that forlorn shot, I suppose, but he, he finds it in people that are trying to exploit him, essentially, isn't Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I was surprised to learn that it actually spawned uh, three successful TV, like limited series as well. Have you seen any of them? I, I haven't, no. So I, uh, this is the first time I've watched the franchise, so uh, and oh, well. I'll, I'll definitely watch it when I get a chance to. They're, they're, but, not, they're not as good, but yeah, I, if this was the hard-hitting point, and I think everything else for the, for the franchise sort of fizzled out after right, okay. this. Yeah. yeah. One of, it's one of Stephen Fran- Graham's franchise first films, changing. isn't it? Shock. <laughs> nice. Um, Speaking so, of failing franchises, did we tell you that Fast and Furious is out this week? Hey, <laughs> we got him. Got him. It won't fail, will it? It'll probably make an absolute ton of. Money. Oh, of course it will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Um, um, I watched a video quite recently. Actually, it was on my TikTok. God. Um, <laughs> about it was like them like practicing for the film with the kid. And it's right. the scene when he goes into the shop to like rob it from the, the, the man of like Pakistani origin. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's in the film, he says a slur, doesn't he, to the, to the man. Yeah. Um, and it was the kid being like, I don't think I can say this. And then, you know, it's offensive. But then all of the like staff on the film being like, well, that's why you should say it is because we need people to know that it's wrong. It's just a really sweet moment of the kid being like, well, this is wrong. Why am I saying it? Sort of thing. It's really. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine the kid was such a nice, like, yeah, such a nice little kid. Yeah, um, and he's been uh, made to play this role, which is just like awful. It's like an F word every five seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, C words here and there. You know, shit. All of that. It's yeah. It's a lot of swearing in this film. Uh, um, I think for a twelve-year-old to to do this role is phenomenal. Um. Especially then, you know, spoiler alert, the, the, towards the end of the film, Combo absolutely loses it and ends up murdering um, 
the only actual black member of the gang uh, right in front of uh, Sean. And I think just to act through that, he's, he's oh, fantastic. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, and also the aesthetic of the film as well. It's so 1980s Britain, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Fantastic. They're all wearing um, Doc Martens with like ripped jeans and I know. Some yeah. of the haircuts are in on another level. Yeah. But is it Woody's girlfriend? Her haircut. Yeah. My yeah. God. Yeah. That's so nineteen eighties. It is. <laughs> um the little kid uh, in real life his name's uh Thomas Turgus and he'd actually never acted before. And from what I can gather, he was a bit of a troublemaker at school as well. Right. And that's why Shane Meadows really wanted him for the role. And he'd actually been banned from doing the school play for behaving badly. So when, wow. when the film turned up at the school's door wanting to audition kids for it, for the role of, of, of Sean, um, Shane Meadows like, saw this kid who wasn't taking part because he wasn't allowed to. And, and, and uh, he, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Tom, Thomas basically just said to me, he was like, I'll audition for you if you give me five quid. <laughs> and he auditioned for him he got the role and he did get his fiver <laughs> man. yeah apparently was the director was like yeah literally the director yeah. was like you can you can audition as well uh it's all right we'll, we'll talk to your teachers you can audition and he was like i'll audition for you if i get a fiver <laughs> so yeah uh and now he's had a very successful acting career so um, well, yeah f- you know uh we, before we, we run about i daniel blake in mm. the scene, there's a, a bit of graffiti on one of the walls, and it's, it's a, it says Kaz, which is obviously another Ken Loach film, which is really cool. Just a cool little nod. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Where, where the influences of the film come from. It's really mm. cool. As you say, the, the, these, these films are so connected in that kind of northern spirit. Yeah. Like the, the cinematography and the color palette, it's all just... Great. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. But it's all just so... It's all just so personal. I don't know whether that's because I'm I'm not far from that place in, in where where I grew up or you know that I know so many you know and I am myself you know a working class person I don't know whether it's because of that it's so personal like you know if there was a film like uh, you know this is this is France I probably wouldn't relate to it as much yeah 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 but it it I I even think that if you weren't English, I think it would still be a really personal film because everyone has struggles and everyone 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 is aware of class divide. Yeah. So I don't know. Why don't we, why don't we hand it over to our resident Tory? <laughs> 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 no, I'm only joking. Hey Charlie, what have you got to say about the film? Hey, hey. Oh, got one. him. Nice. Got him. Nice like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was based on the director's actual experiences as well, so maybe that's why it felt personal. Quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It had a great soundtrack though. It did. Oh, yeah. banger after banger. Well, let's wrap up this episode with talking about Peterloo. I didn't actually catch this one, but I did catch a few clips, and from what I saw, really bad accents. But honestly, it's definitely a Manchester <sighs> accent, that isn't it? Yeah, mother, <laughs> father, father. <laughs> Let's uh, get down to it then. Why don't you talk us through this one as well, Chaz? And just tell us what you think and why you added it onto the list. I think Ben will know more of the, the history behind it than me. But basically, it follows predominantly a family in Manchester after the Battle of Waterloo mm-hmm. and their sort of fight to get government reform on the like 
labourer's rights, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it all culminates with uh, the Peterloo Massacre at the very end of the film. That's not really a spoiler, because it's in the name, I suppose. It happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah it happened. You're about, yeah. you're about 200 years yeah. if, you, uh, if you wanted to catch it live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch it live on BBC iPlayer. <laughs> it's 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 a very interesting period of history so so as charlie said essentially um a a pro-democracy rally was held um in manchester and it was for all it was there's kind of all sorts of reasons why it started and but basically i think one of the main things was the government um essentially was to in order to promote I think it was essentially British industry. Basically, there's just huge import taxes on everything um, mm. at the time. Specifically, I think grain in this instance. And, and... I think in in the film they mentioned it's like bread, like the bread tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. grain. Yeah. So uh, essentially, I think it's you know kind of one of those where the the you know the the, the working class, the the poor in this case, needed some food and they couldn't get it. It was too expensive because they had to buy from British farmers and and British markets and stuff. So um, they wanted, basically, yeah, they just wanted to see reform. And then, um, uh, interestingly, well, it's, I suppose it's, I don't know if it's, it's quite interesting, but basically there's there was a, um, if you're not familiar with the, uh, kind of the military history of of Britain. Um, we have kind of the professional side of of our army in this case in the 1800s. Uh, they had the professional side, but you also have kind of the part time side, and the kind of typically referred to kind of yeomanry. And essentially, they um, operated kind of locally, and they would be formed of local people. Sometimes they'd be part time. In the case of the Napoleonic Wars, they were shipped overseas and they did fight overseas and different thing in in different cases. Um, but they kind of always kept a, a um, an English presence pretty much for this purpose, which was to essentially keep a lid on any revolting citizens or or outbreaks of anything. Revolting citizens. The government didn't like. Well, angry have, citizens. The thing is, is you have to, yeah, you have to put into perspective Europe at this point in time. Um, was it just the after French like the Revolution French Revolution? Is yeah. Only yeah. French Revolution. America had just been independent for the past exactly. what? So twenty years. Exactly. America has just declared independence in the last fifty years. Um, uh, France had just killed off its entire royal family about ten years, fifteen years prior, maybe twenty years prior at this point. Um, basically, every single person that was still in a position of power at this point is absolutely shitting their pants their pants because they do not want to be killed and overthrown by the mob because they realize how powerful the mob was uh in this in in this particular instance in in the peterloo massacre it's actually um i don't think you could really maybe lay the blame as kind of being a nefarious plot to just go and kill a bunch of people i think it was a kind of tragic accident of the circumstances the commander the the officer in charge of the yeomanry actually just excused himself for that day da- that day he just didn't turn up to work he just went to the races um <laughs> so essentially there's a scene like, of that in the film yeah yeah so essentially like it's just a bunch of panicked soldiers and like just with a mob of you know a hundred thousand people and they just didn't know what to do so they just went out start really. killing which yeah <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I, uh, I mean, it, it obviously is quite a brutal period of British history, and it's quite, you know, but 
I mean, it sounds bad, but if you look at it, there's only 18 deaths, um, which for a kind of a full cavalry charge, it's not that bad. Um, but yeah, like, like I mean, it's still British people killing British people on, on English soil, and it's not great. But um, yeah, if, when you put it into historical context, it, it's very... It, it's very complex and it's actually a really interesting period of time. You know, like you said, it was basically France has just been defeated. Um, you know, so there's kind of this, you know, high period where, you know, a bit of a lull where kind of, you know, we've, oh, we've won. Now what? And, you know, they have to recover the economy and all, all of that stuff. So, yeah, very complex piece of history. Um, it's not really that taught about. It's not really taught or talked about, really. Um at all unless you're very very interested in that bit of history or you have to do it for school um, well i well, like, definitely have n never would have known it was a thing unless this film had come out so i suppose english curriculums don't really want to teach english kids about english people like killing other english people so i suppose it's probably hidden isn't it yeah or like just yeah. swept under the carpet as is most english atrocities of the past 500 years yeah we're, yeah, we're not too great at talking about British, like colonial Britain. Really, it's kind of mm. a lot of history will focus on modern history in the British Empire, and basically, and a lot of, yeah, I was gonna say a lot of curriculums focus on like nineteen fourteen onwards, basically. Yeah, and really the Industrial go. Revolution, which was only possible because of the all the money we got from pillaging other countries, which yeah. is why we get people like Combo. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I ironically, after watching This Is England, I, I actually watched uh, Trevor Noah's stand up on Netflix where he was talking about um, like British sure. colonialism. And it, it was so funny because he basically like embodied Combo. Uh, sorry to go back to This Is England, but it just reminded me of it. Um, basically, embodied Combo and was like, you, you meet all these people in England who are saying they're coming over here, taking our jobs. And, and Trevor Noah just basically said, but you're 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 english that's like the thing you're good at you go to other <laughs> yeah. countries and take everything uh all the people that are coming to your are immigrating to your country are just coming back to the motherland because apparently you owned them so like why are you complaining so it was it's a very good stand-up go and watch it we watched it this afternoon uh yeah. it was very funny because i'd watched this is england this morning and then I went straight on to watching that because I needed something a bit more lighthearted. And most of the, the stand-up was him talking about the same thing. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're, we're not great as a country at acknowledging our mistakes. And I think we've, def not to get too political, but I think a big problem with our generation is that we've produced a lot of like patriotic uh, nationalists, you know, I think. As soon as we won World War Two, it was like, right, we just did a really good thing for the world. Let's now forget about the hundreds of years of really bad things that we did before that. And here we are. So, and then you know things like Peterloo happened, and no one knows because I guess no one cares when you've won a world war. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there we go. definitely, I, I, there's a there's a massive generalization. That is a massive generalization. I'll I'll give it to you in spirit. Well, this is a film podcast, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's very convenient. Very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say there's there's quite a few instances where, you know, are we the bad guys <laughs> or are we the good yes. guys? And the British history is kind of full of both of them, really. You know, there's it, 
you know, I mean, we were just talking about it with Peter Lee. They, you mm-hmm. know, England, England basically beat Napoleon, and like, everyone else <laughs> had surrendered to him, um, yeah. except for England. Uh, and if you know, if you thought that World War Two was bad, in the England, you know, the fear of invasion and everything. I mean, Napoleon actually attempted to land on, like, on England. Never mind. He did, yeah. You know, he actually sent boats across, um, and he, you know, for all the for all of the fact that he was, you know, fighting for France originally as a republic, it very quickly became an empire. And, um, you know, we, as a government and as a, as a, like, kind of the king plus the government, you know, at the time was quite, you know, <laughs> hate, hate to say the word revolutionary when the guillotine had just been employed in France. But, um, you know, they actually stopped... <laughs> They stopped tyranny uh, quite well. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of crazy. Yeah, I think I think we can agree to disagree. I think well, not agree to disagree. I think we can meet in the middle and say I think I do agree. England has fought the good fight when it has had to, but it's it is the the those wars have been fueled by money that is rooted in colonialism and and yeah yeah. So I think uh, it's a mixture of good and bad. It's glass half full and half empty. What do you say, Chas? I say Shoal is now a history and political podcast, not a film podcast. We're branching out, people. <laughs> yeah, this this festival is is bringing us new things. If you um, would like to uh, hear Joe and Ben do their own side Shoal cast, which is yeah. political and historical, then let us know. <laughs> we'll have to think of a really bad name for it. I will have no, like, anything to add to that conversation and i'll <laughs> we'll just I call it history and get on with well, it <laughs> speaking of not adding speaking of not adding any more to conversations i think we're just about wrapped up with this first episode of shoal britannia it's been a, a heavy few films um, we hope you have enjoyed it at home we will be back next week though with we're going to kick off with uh with some bond and then a good old ealing comedy and then we're going to wrap things up with some Royal Shakespeare Company Hamlet. So stay tuned for that one. A bit more varied than this week. Uh, a little a bit less, more light. Yeah, yeah. A little less depressing as well. But uh, if you haven't caught any of these films yet, we do encourage you to go and watch them. Yes, they were heavy. They they were they, you know they were bleak and uh, difficult to watch. But I think if I can sum up all of these films in one go, it would be vi- vital. Yeah. The, the, these are all vital films i think yes yeah. so uh yeah no thanks for listening uh, do be sure to follow our socials updates and news we will be back next monday with a new episode of show mm-hmm.